The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live on the Autism Network. So thrilled and happy to be with you this morning. We've got a great guest, really talented young woman going to be joining us in just a few minutes, Katrina Aguilar, who's got uh, a show out there that a lot of times, you know, we talk to you guys about performances that are happening in and around the Los Angeles area or around the world, really, and you can't get to them, right? Uh, but Katrina did something while we were in the great isolation that uh, allows you to attend one of her shows. So um, we're going to be talking with her about that, plus more stuff that she's got coming up. Really, really talented, uh, brilliant singer um, that she is. And lovely young woman, too. So that's going to be coming up in just a little while. Uh, I, so I'm Shannon. I'm your host for this hour. We're really excited to be here with you this morning. We're live. It is October 25th, 2021, and it is raining in Los Angeles. Can we get a, a yay? Because um, we need the rain. And they're saying we might get enough rain today to end the drought. Well, you know, let's hang on for that and see. But it's always fun when it rains in L.A. Because it's for those of you who live in other parts of the country or the world, it's uh, people drive as if it is the worst black ice storm in the world. So you got to be real super careful. In any case, uh, we're live. We're cozy inside. Thrilled to be here with you for this next hour talking about autism from a 360-degree perspective. This show is meant to be interactive. So, in fact, I'm going to open up the chat on my end right now, and we've got some people who are already saying good morning. Let's see who's here. I feel like the, the gal from Romper Room. I need to get my little mirror, Traven. I see Michelle, and I see Renee and Elvira, and I see Princess Art Design. Isn't that wonderful? For those of you who remember Romper Room, my dad was Mr. Music. He was the sound guy on Romper Room for a period of time, and so when the lady, she would say, Mr. Music, please, my dad would put the music on. So my dad was Mr. Music. Uh, isn't that funny? Isn't that like a weird, uh, odd thing to know? Uh, but isn't that fun? Okay. So, uh, th- but anyway, I was saying we love to hear from you. We love to know your thoughts, your feelings, your questions and concerns. You can write in right now. We're live on YouTube, on Twitter, and on, what am I forgetting? Facebook. We're live on, <laughs> plus all the places that Traven is showing you on the screen. Uh, look, we're live on Twitch. How can, or is that just a podcast? I don't I don't know. I need you young people to explain these things to me. But speaking of which, we are a podcast. We are, in fact, the number one autism podcast worldwide rated. Isn't that a super fun? We are live on Twitch. Traven says we are live on Twitch. Uh, so, for, so for those of you who want to watch us on Twitch, uh, we, but we are also a, a free download wherever you get your podcasts. So we hope that you will continue the tradition that you have created of not only downloading what is appropriate for you and tuning in, taking what is right for you, but also share it. Now, sometimes that might mean, you know, just telling a friend as you're sitting and having coffee and saying, you know, I found this resource, it's free. Uh, and you can write in and ask real questions of experts and their whole purpose to, is to provide information and inspiration, you know, and then you put it in somebody's back pocket, right? But it's also great when you share, like if you see that there are forums where people are asking questions, send them to us. Uh, say, you know, I don't know the answer to this question, but, you know, go over to Autism Live and ask one of their experts. Hey, Raven. 
So glad to see you here with us. Um, so, uh, you know, share. Uh, there's other ways to share too. You can write a review of us on, say, for instance, iTunes. Oh my gosh. Can I tell you, when you guys write a review of us, um, it, it what happens is we go up in the ranking and, and you don't pay for that kind of stuff. You go up in the ranking, which means when people search, we're higher on the list. And when we get to the point where we're really high on the list, then then you get on the short page where everyone goes, not just people who are looking for autism. Um, and that's a really good thing because when we further the conversation to people and let them know that there's a conversation happening over here, you know, if they're not somebody who's on the spectrum or loves somebody on the spectrum yet, they will be at some point, right? I mean, that's the deal. Uh, and by the way, we talk about this show as being for the larger autism community starts, of course, individuals who are on the autism spectrum. They're the beating heart of our community and the reason why, right? But we also include in that community everyone who loves those individuals. That's how we define our community. You're on the spectrum or you love somebody on the spectrum. We know that in the, within that community, oh my goodness, we, we just were talking with Temple Grandin on Friday about how big of a spectrum that is. Um, we're not going to expect to agree on a whole lot within that community because everybody's so different and has different circumstances. But for sure, we can agree on the fact that individuals with autism have rights the same rights as anybody else. And that includes rights to be able to work, to love who they love, um, <clears throat> you know, live independently. If that is what they want to do, we, we love all of those things. So uh, be a part of the conversation and share this conversation with people that you know and love who need to be a part of this conversation. It's free. I love being able to say that to you guys, because it's not like we're not looking for something other than to foster the conversation. I do like to remind everybody at the start of the week and pretty much every day that we're fostering the conversation. That doesn't mean that we are the conversation. I certainly am not the conversation um, and I'm not an expert. I am a very proud mama of a young man who was diagnosed at two and a half and I just dropped him off at college. Um, how fantastic is that? And I have a responsibility to pay forward what I got because if we had had to proceed with what I knew about autism, we would have been up, you know what, creek with a paddle, visiting uh, M Mona and Jack, right? Um, but I got help. And a lot of times it was from other parents saying, go look at this. Not telling me that I had to do that, but saying, check this out. This is a line to stand in. You're going to want to know this. Make sure you pack this with you. And, and that helped us. So I have a responsibility, a karmic duty to pay that forward. So that's why I'm here. But don't confuse me with an expert. I have a very strident voice. Doesn't mean that I know everything. Uh, in fact, I know very little. Uh, we don't want to get in trouble. Uh, wonderful. Yes, Raven, isn't that an amazing accomplishment? Um, he's, he's going to college for screenwriting. This is the kid they told me was not going to talk again. This is the kid that they told me was never going to be in gen ed. This is the kid that they told me, you know how many BIPs we had for writing? And now he's chosen to go to college for writing. That, my friends, that's miraculous. But we didn't get there on our own. We got there with a the community. We got there with really good resources among them. You know, we did a really, uh, we did a little bit of diet and a little bit of biomedical stuff, but a lot of ABA. I mean, a lot of good quality ABA. So now that was our prescription. Your prescription is going to look like your prescription, which is not going to look like our prescription, but I, I do like to tell you how we got there. 
So anyway, not an expert, but I could tell you our story and I can point you to other stories. And if you write in and say, I need to know about this, I can point you in a direction. I can go, go read that book, go talk to that person. I'll book this person on the show. Sound good? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got me all the clumps now, see? Uh, so anyway, we like to start off uh, the show on Monday with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani nani are those experts talking about? And, you know, these, these jargon terms are overwhelming. So first we give you the actual definition, then we make fun of it because that's what you can do with it. That's about all it's good for. Then we give you a working definition and we try to give you circumstances so that you can begin to see what this might mean. If you don't get it the first time, you got to you gotta love on yourself and go, I'll get it next time. Or I, maybe I need to see it before I understand it. It's okay. Um, hey, saying good morning to Christina. So thr- thrilled that you're here. So let's take a look at what this uh, today's jargon term is. It's systematic desensitization. Isn't that a lovely sounding thing? I, I, you know, it sounds like a torture device, doesn't it? But especially it being the week of Halloween, this is important stuff. So let's take a look at what systematic desensitization is and see how bad the actual definition is. Let's see if we can make heads or tails of it. Systematic desensitization It's a type of counter conditioning. Oh, lost me there. That involves learning to substitute one response, typically muscle relaxation, for an unwanted response, fear or anxiety. The client practices relaxation while imagining anxiety producing situations in a sequence from least fearful to most fearful until the anxiety reaction extinguishes. Systematic desensitization is sometimes called graduated exposure therapy. All right. Well, you know what? I know what this is, so I can sort of pick and choose. But the minute you say it's a type of counter conditioning, oh, my head just goes, what? Um, But I think we can see the glimmer of it in here, substituting one response. So if, you know, substituting muscle relaxation for fear or anxiety, well, that sounds cute, but how do you do that? right? And they give you a hint by saying that there's a sequence from least fearful to most fearful, but they start talking about extinguishing things and we start thinking there's a fire. So let's take this and shove it into the ocean and let's see what we have for a working definition. Systematic desensitization, gradually exposing someone to increasing, um, increasingly unpleasant or fear-inducing items or circumstances while having them practice relaxation relaxation techniques in order to reduce fears or phobias. Okay. This really sounds like torture to me. Um, cause it, you know, it sounds like we're just going to strap them to a chair and show them, a, you know, a rabbit rat in their face and go relax. And that ain't it. That ain't it at all. So let's pick this apart a little bit. So let's say in the realm of possibility that you have a kiddo who is absolutely frightened of skeletons and you're looking, uh, hey, Princess Art, we're, we're here five days a week, Monday through Friday. Check us out. But we, we also podcast all the shows. So you have 10 years of shows that you can catch up on. Um, but anyway, so let's take a look at this. Let's say you've got a kiddo who is deathly afraid of skeletons. And you're wanting to go with a group of people that have some neurotypical kids for Halloween. And you're like, I, I, maybe we're going to make it one house. Maybe we're going to make it two houses. Well, I would, st- you know, if possible, we would have started in September, but we got a couple of days here. So when we say systematic desensitization, 
We want to very slowly expose the person to the thing they're afraid of and normalize it. That's really what we're talking about here. So for instance, you know, so much, listen, if a skeleton popped up in my face, I would scream now, you know? So, um, but you know, we, we can get to the point where it's less uh, scream worthy, right? So what we do is we start out by taking something that isn't fearful. Like maybe we take, uh, you know, and, we, and you really have to think about wh- where is the person the most afraid? Maybe you take a little piece of clay and you start to sculpt a skeleton head out of it and show them how to sculpt a skeleton head. And if they're not freaking out when they sculpt it, great. Now we've, we've crested that. Now, if they freak out when you start to, then you got to back it up and take it someplace else. Maybe you need to start to look at cartoons. Can I tell you that I love, there's a book called The Big Pumpkin. Um, and uh, it's, you know, one of the many characters in it is a skeleton and it's very cartoony and it's very happy. There's even an audio um, book that goes with it that the actors sing a little song with it. Big pumpkin. Fabulous, right? So we've taken it very cartoony and maybe it's just on one page and we show them that and we go, oh, we're turning the page until they can get to the point where they look at the skeleton and they're not freaking out. Then we would move to the next thing, which is maybe we have a little rubber skeleton and we practice pulling its legs and making them snap back and we laugh at it, right? Because now we're having, you know, I'm reading the book and it's I'm having a non-reaction to the book. And now I'm pulling on the legs on the little rubber skeleton and I'm having a non-reaction. It's kind of fun. And gradually we just, the point is to, to do it at such a small level that they don't have the fear response. And that if they start to freak out, we take it and we put it away and we practice our breathing exercises. What we're not doing is forcing them to look at a skeleton and going, breathe. That's not going to work, right? We're, this is kind and gentle systematic desensitization. So that they get to the point where, you know, they can be in a store and they can see the skeleton and they don't freak out. Does this take time? Yes. That's why I said I would have started this in September. But for some things, you know, you can move fairly quickly. And by the way, systematic desensitization can work for all kinds of things. It may not be Halloween that your kiddo is freaked out about. I know a little boy who used to scream every time he saw a banana. Like there was something about a banana that was just, you know, hysteria making. And so, you know, they started showing him pictures of bananas and they, and they would be doing fun stuff, like singing a song about, we're going to eat an apple and a banana, you know, and do it like, you know, like almost an afterthought, right? To the, and, and at first he would like run away when they would say the banana, but, but they were so busy doing the singing and the dancing and he wanted to do that, that eventually they were like, I'm going to have an apple and a banana. And, and he would stay for the banana. And then it, then it became, I'm going to have an apple and a banana. And he would stay for that. Right. Then they introduced, you know, a picture of a banana. And then there was a Melissa and Doug wooden banana. And we would pretend it was a telephone and all kinds of things until they got to the point where a banana could be in the room and he wasn't freaking out. And then the banana could be there, but, and somebody could be peeling it and he wasn't freaking out. And then they were eating it and he wasn't freaking out. And then they put a slice of it there on the table for him and didn't ask him to eat it and he didn't freak out. And then two days later, they put the slice of the banana on there and they were like doing a contest going, I'm going to eat it. And, and he took the banana and put it in his mouth. And now he's like a 16 year old who eats bananas or we could leave it alone. We pick and choose what we do, but if it's getting in the way of someone's life, 
systematic desensitization is a way that we can normalize something that's evoking a big response. Yeah, makes sense. I love it. I love it. Uh, and and Jody says, yeah, torture while we tell them to breathe. Yeah, we're not doing that. That, you know, that's called flooding. There, there is a technique that they use to expose something to someone and, you know, force them to confront it. That's called flooding. And that should only be done with adults in circumstances where they've agreed to it and where people that are trained are there doing that. No one should do flooding unless it's an adult who has agreed to it and understands what they're agreeing to and, um, and that there are trained professionals. Can we just all like, you know, hold hands on that and agree that that's, that's how that should go. But systematic desensitization done correctly, all it does is it keeps moving the goalpost to just like, just to the very beginning point where we're pushing the person and no further. Like it's just before you get to the anxiety and that's when we work on grieving techniques so that we're not yet to the, oh, I'm freaking out. We're just like, oh, I'm a little, like, I'm not, I'm unsure. We go, let's breathe through it. Right. But if you're, if you get somebody freaking out and you're like going, you know, that's when you're teaching a breathing technique. No, good luck. Um, now, if you've taught breathing techniques and somebody is freaking out, we can utilize, I love in the movie, The War of the Worlds, when uh, Dakota Fanning, uh, your brother says to her, you know, make your space. And, and she puts her arms like this and she starts to breathe. Clearly somebody taught this to her in another moment. Yeah. Okay. So uh, systematic des desensitization, it's really good. And you know what? It's good for all kinds of things. Um, I feel like it's practicing with purpose. Yeah. So absolutely wonderful. I'm just checking in on some of the comments that we've got. Uh, princesses, what do you do if you think you're autistic? And this is a question that a lot of our experts have answered. And I think it was, I think it was last week or the week before on Ask Dr. Doreen, we had exactly this question. And I really want you to check out, you can go to, on our website, autism-live.com at the top. Um, there, you can search by topics and you can go under topics and it opens up and ask Dr. Doreen and you can, um, pretty much put in that question, um, adult, uh, autism, and, and it'll show you all of the times that she's answered a question. I don't think we're up to date on the ones from a couple of weeks ago, but it's worthwhile to just check out the last two weeks of Ask Dr. Doreen. But I will tell you that one of the things that she says is a diagnosis is a very funny thing. A, a diagnosis, it's just, it's not, a, it's not essential to get the diagnosis unless two things. One, you need funding for services and then absolutely get the diagnosis, but don't get hung up on the diagnosis. And two, for some adults, knowing that there's a name for what you're feeling can be very freeing. It can be. Um, not for everybody, but for some people, I know I've interviewed people here who have said, you know, I didn't know, I didn't meet myself until I got my diagnosis. And then I started reading and going, oh, that's me. And you know what? I'm okay. Um, and that's so worthwhile, right? Um, but Dr. Grampichet tells you either way, don't get all hung up on, well, then that means I'm this, or I'm not this, or I'm, you know, we had somebody write in a couple of weeks ago who went as an adult to get a diagnosis and the doctor told them, no, you don't, you don't qualify. And, you know, that happens a lot because to have an autism spectrum disorder 
means that it's got to be at such a level. You can have all of the symptoms, but if you're managing all of them and you're going through your life, there is no diagnosis of autism without a disorder, which is a shame. I'm in the camp that that should change. Um, so it may mean that your brain works as a, a brain with autism, but it's it, you're working and you don't have any obstacles in front of you. Well, that's great. Uh, you might have little obstacles just like everybody else. And there's lots of help and support for that as well. But to get the disorder qualification, it's got to be disrupting your life to such a degree that, you know, it's a problem. And I know lots of people that have their brains work in a total way that can be identified as autism. They don't have a disorder. They don't, they just don't have a disorder. They are able to do what they need to do and they do it in a different way. And to be truthful, their brains work better than mine. And I have one of those neurotypical brains. Um, so I think it's important that we just, um, you know, get what you need, figure out what you need and get what you need. Uh, wonderful, wonderful one. Just checking in. I talked to my doctor November 3rd. Great. Great. Um, you might want to take a look at what the diagnosis is first before you go and talk. Cause I know a lot of people go, they don't get the diagnosis and then they go home and they go, Oh, well, I should have told him that I can't bear to be around certain, um, sounds. Yes. I'm getting back to the question of the day, Traven. Uh, so anyway, okay. So moving on to our question of the day, Traven keeps me on track here because I get this, uh, distracted. That's the word I want. Uh, okay. So question of the day, what is your Halloween plan? Cause we were talking about systematic desensitization. This is super important that I know we all have these expectations around holidays that it's going to go a certain way and that we want a certain thing. My thing is always figure out what is your thing? What is it that you want from Halloween? And what do you think that the people in, that you love in your life that are on the spectrum uh, that might be you, might be other people. What do they want? And because there's so many things about Halloween. And if the thing that you want is to bob for apples and we go to the mall, you're not going to bob for apples. You're setting yourself up for not success, right? I know from me for Halloween, I want my kid to have a good time and I want a picture. That was the thing. I, I was like, oh, I want a picture because Halloween would come and go and I'd be so freaked out about helping my child have a good time. And I would go, I didn't get a single picture with his costume on, right? If that's you, I want to say to you, you don't have to wait till Halloween. Part of systematic desensitization is put the costume on today. Hopefully you already have the costume. If you don't, go get the costume today because you don't want to be worrying about that on Thursday. Get the costume and let's have a try on and make sure that there's a big reward, retreat, what, you know, uh, treat for whatever it is that they like, whether it's we're going to try on the costume and we're going to take two pictures and then we're going to get iPad time. Or, you know, we're going to try on the costume and we're going to take four pictures and we're going to get chocolate chip cookies, whatever the reward is that's meaningful to your kiddo. But build it that way. Say, we're going to, oh, we're so excited. We're going to try on the costume and we're going to take. X number of pictures. And, you know, kids like to know how many pictures are we going to take? Are you going to force me to take a hundred? Give them a number. Say we're going to take two good pictures and then that's going to be it, right? Get your pictures today, today. And that way on Halloween, you already have the picture. And you, and if you get a picture on Halloween, fantastic. If you don't, it's not the end of the world. You've got a picture of them in the costume. And that way on Halloween, because what my son would do, we'd get the whole thing on and then we'd have to drive to be at somebody's house and whatever. And by the time we got there, you know, his little Spock ears are off, right? <laughs> or the or the, the hat is off or the mask is off, whatever it is, right? 
And I would never get a picture of the full costume, which sometimes I would have sewn and spent two months on. You know what I'm saying? So um, the picture was important to me, but what's important to you? If it's getting together with people and let's say that they have neurotypical kids, I want you to go early, have a minute with them and understand that once you go out to go trick or treat to houses, it's likely their kids are going to do it faster than your kid. And it's likely that you're going to go to two houses and you're going to say, go on without us. Relish the two houses that you got to go with a group of kids that you had that slice of that thing that you wanted and understand that, you know, that's just not what it's going to be this year. You got to let go of some, get as much of whatever you can and then let go of the expectation of everything else. But I hope you will tune into for the kiddo in your life. What's the thing that's going to make them happy? I briefly want to tell you that, you know, my son, when he was a kid, was not allowed to have candy. I know, judge me, but we were on a gluten-free, casein-free diet, and we weren't doing any artificial colors or flavors, and we were not doing sugar, and we were not doing things that weren't organic at a certain point, right? So at that time, there was no candy that would have fit that bill at all. Um, and my son didn't know what candy was, so it was easy for me. He thought it was just brightly colored paper, but he saw that it was this currency that the other kids were like, I got this and I got that. And he wanted to participate in that. And we didn't want him to feel left out of that. So we, but we, but candy wasn't really what would make him happy. It, the few times that my mother stuck a jelly bean in his mouth and he went and spit it out because it didn't taste good to him, right? So candy wasn't actually reinforcing to him, but the thought of candy, we wanted that to be a big deal because it was for the other kids. So we invented the Lego fairy and the Lego fairy was uh, came on Halloween night. If you took all of your Halloween candy and put it on the dining room table before you went to bed, the Lego fairy would come and the more candy you had in, in your pumpkin, the bigger the Lego he left. And we loved the Lego fairy and the candy was gone and the Lego was there on the dining room table in the morning. And my kid wanted to trick or treat so that he could get as much candy so that he could get a bigger Lego. Whoa, there were no cavities and there was no reaction. And I, there was no fights. He was thrilled. We were thrilled. We were happy. Now I know other people invented the Barbie fairy after they heard about our Lego fairy. So whatever you know, but if you stop for a moment and think, what is reinforcing to me? What is reinforcing to my kiddo? You can find the path to getting what you need. It's when we get caught up in that, well, it's supposed to be this way. It's supposed, well, does that really even make sense for us in our lives? It didn't make sense for my kiddo to be pounding down a bunch of candy. That was not what the mission we were on was. Can he have candy now? Yes. And he does. But can I tell you, how much he doesn't care. I just was up um, in his room earlier and he has a bag of candy that I bought him. You know, good candy, but all natural, very expensive candy, no artificial flavors. And the bag is open. There, There's like maybe two missing from the bag and, and it's been sitting up there since Easter. Okay. I don't know anybody else that would not care as much about, he likes it, but it's like, eh. and he, he will tell me, Oh, I've had too much sugar today. Uh, I don't, I don't like the feeling when I'm on too much sugar. What, what would we all like to be able to feel that way and have our kids feel that way? So judge me, but it's a pretty good thing.
I'm pretty proud of it. So, but here's the thing. You got to have your plan. Your plan has to make sense to you. You have to know how you're handling Halloween, but do it in a way so that you get a paycheck from it. That's something that's meaningful to you and make sure that the kiddos in your life are getting a paycheck too. What's the part of it that they'll like? And what's the part that's going to be torture for them? And excise that. You know, there comes a point in the night when it gets crazy and the costumes get really gruesome um, and it's a sensory nightmare. And I always would watch for that and go, okay, it's back to the house to watch a scary movie and have uh, one of the things that we had uh, eventually when he was having sugar root beer floats, all natural root beer, all natural non-dairy ice cream while we watch scary movies. So all good. That's our, now this year, Halloween plan, my kid's working. Um, so I'm barely going to see him on Halloween, <laughs> you know, but, but he's having a good time and that's a good thing and, and earning money. So, uh, that's, that's our Halloween plan for this year. And actually I have something really cool planned for the house. Uh, yes, I'm looking, I'll take pictures. I'll show you guys. Oh, anyway, we have a topic of the week. This is Traven's way of telling me I got to move it along here. Uh, so here, and this is it for this week, you guys, this whole week, cause it's not just Halloween anymore. It's Halloween week, right? Making a plan, but not being married to it. And, you know, this week is a good time to practice this, but the reality is, is that we should be doing this every week. Isn't this the land that we live in? Because we had a plan and then, you know, the plan changed. Uh, maybe you had a kiddo on the autism spectrum, or maybe you met a kiddo on the autism spectrum and you decided you wanted to devote your life to it. The plan changed. Maybe you had a plan that you were going to be a veterinarian and then you discovered that you could play the bongos. Your plan changed. So for Halloween, make a plan. Um, and do your best to figure out like, what do we need to do to make the plan happen? But then be willing to chuck the plan for something better. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. I love, uh, that you might dress. Yeah. You got to work, but you might dress up. Well, I want to know poker King. What, what are, what's your costume potential? What, what are you thinking about? I want to remind everybody, we always do a Halloween special and with let's talk autism with Shannon and Nancy. And since, uh, that's Friday, you will have to tune in over the years. We have dressed up into some doozy costumes and, uh, we'll be dressing up on Friday. I, I have to do practice makeup tomorrow to see. Uh, and I, can I tell you, my hair is a disaster because I'm growing it out for Friday. Uh, so, uh, and I am not going to make it, my hair is not going to be long enough to do what I want it to do, but it, uh, it's going to be better the longer it is. So, and this kind of goes along with what we're talking about. I'm going to give you a hint because our, our guest, I'm, I'm going to guess that at some point our guest is going to bring up a topic that will have to do with what Nancy and I are going to go dressed as on Friday. Mm, okay. So uh, let's, let's see if you guys can figure out what that is. So our guest today is the fabulous and talented Katrina Aguilar. She is an amazing singer and performer. She has a new show. She's been doing cabaret shows for a little while. We're going to let her talk about it. She has a new show and there's a twist to it that you guys will be interested in because if you're like, well, I can't get to LA, I can't be in Southern California to check out this show. We, we might be able to hook you up so that you could see the show. Uh, and so 
so uh, thrilled uh, to welcome her back to the show she's been on before, Katrina Aguilar. Katrina, how are you? Good, yeah. I'm doing good. I'm doing really well. Uh, so before I get too far into everything, Katrina, do you participate in Halloween? Of course. <laughs> and so I love that. I love your answer. And so do you do you know what you're dressing as? And is it a secret or is it something you can share? You know, I don't I don't mind sharing. Well, since right on Halloween, um, we're we're actually going down to Los Angeles because um, they're doing a full Nightmare Before Christmas concert with with you know Danny Elfman, you know the composer and the voice of, of Jack Skellington, along with um, Billie Eilish who's performing as Sally. So I'm, so I have like this really cool Sally dress I got from Disneyland a few years ago. So I'm just going to sort of do, it's not a full on costume, but I'm going to do a full bound as that. I love that. Do you know, I had never heard the term bounding until about two years ago. And, uh, and I, I had no idea. I would see people when I was at Disneyland dressed and I would go, Oh, that's interesting. There's sort of, look in the colors of can you explain to people what bounding is um disney bounding is basically sort of a it's sort of like cosplay except it's it's more about it's it's except it's more about an outfit it's yeah. not it's not like this it's not a full-on extravaganza like yeah. cosplay like like you could it could be a character a movie a theme you know um, so like, like for, like for an example, one of my, one of my favorite ones I wore a few years ago was, it was a theme of Peter Pan and mm-hmm. it was, but it was kind of on the, on the Nana, the nursery dog, you know, how she starts floating, you know, with the help of Tinkerbell. Yes. So I wore this blue star, starry dress. I had Nana ears on top. And and this pin of Wendy and and Nana right right there. So I mean it's it's basically long story short, it's a themed outfit. I love it. I love it. And so like I saw a friend once that um, she went to Disneyland and she was wearing red pants and like a mustard colored shirt and because she was bounding as Winnie the Pooh. So she didn't have her face made up like Winnie the Pooh, but she was wearing the colors of Winnie the Pooh. And and it, it's sort of like, you know, in the old days, we used to talk about deconstructive uh, art and things like that. So it's this, you're suggesting it, but you're not literal, which I, I super love because it gives you permission to do what you want. Um, and that's a little bit what Nancy and I are doing on Friday is that we're we're not quite full realism. We're, we're somewhere between realism and bounding. Uh, so, but I can't say, I, I could tell you who we're going to be, but I would be killed, uh, because it's a deep, deep state secret, but Katrina, um, you're an amazing performer. And if people watch the show before they might remember you, but we have new viewers now. So I'd kind of like to catch up with you a little bit about you, who you are and what your musical background is. Can you tell us a little bit about you and your background? Well, I've been singing since I was around 12 years old. It started with like the middle school choir. And plus I've done, I've done several 
like musicals, you know, fun fact. I played Nana, the nursery dog, in my very first musical play ever. So, but, but anyway, I mean, that's kind of how I started. And then I later started to learn opera, you know, so I'm, so I'm made at my core, I'm classically trained. Um, I later went to the Boston Conservatory majoring in vocal performance, which is essentially what we, classical voice, you know. Um, I've, I also found during that time, a pat, I, I love millions of different other styles of music as well, you know, Disney, rock, jazz. I, you know, I've, I've written some, some other types of shows here and there. Um, I like one was Eleanor Rigsby, but it was like her story, but I, but I did it around Evanescence music. Wow. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I, after I graduated what we lovingly call BOCO, um, I've, I've sort of, you know, I've sort of, you know, you know, started to fall in love with cabaret, which gives you more freedom to explore different kinds of music while telling your story. Yeah. And at some point you met Clifford Bell Mm -hmm. and Clifford is like the king of cabaret. Uh, I think they even call him something like the king of cabaret. Um, He's got like a nickname. I can't think what it is. Clifford, if you're watching. Something like that. Um, But Clifford's pretty connected cabaret land and Clifford just adores you. uh, And with, for all the good reasons and all the right reasons, because you're so talented. Um, And so you've been working with Clifford a little bit to do some shows and you've um, done some benefits and such, but it was really time for you to have a, a show of your own. So talk to us a little bit about the, the show that you did and how people can tune in. Um, a little while later, I, I mean, because I, I've had a long time passion for Disney. I even credit that, you know, I mentioned this in my show that it gave me, it, it helped me learn to talk when I was nonverbal, you know, so that, so there's, I've had a deep seated passion forever, even as I was studying classical voice and doing musicals. Um, so I think later on as, as I, as, as my love grew even further from that, I, I had a new dream of creating a Disney cabaret show. So um, I didn't honestly, funny, I didn't really know what it was going to be about. It was just, I'm just doing, I'm just doing the songs I love. Well, which is true, but I didn't really know what it was truly about till Clifford and I were at a restaurant, you know, jotting down the songs and what they really meant. And then it was like, oh, hey, this is much of my story growing up on the autistic spectrum. So that's kind of what birthed that idea. 
And it's amazing to me how many connections there are. I think that a lot of people watching, whether they're on the spectrum or they have kiddos on the spectrum, there is something magical about the Disney experience that uh, you're not the first person that I've heard say that, um, that it's, that it became how you learn to, to sing and how to speak. You know, I think, I think that's more common than we, than we even know. Um, and, and a lot of people are very passionate uh, about Disney and about Disney movies, but to watch your show and see the, the, like the connect the dots for me as a viewer uh, it's really amazing. And I, I wonder what it was like for you. At one point, you talk about comparing yourself to Elsa. Um, can you talk about that? Oh, my. You know, oh, God. You know, I, you know, there was honestly, you know, there was a period of time, you know, I, I hated Frozen. I wanted nothing to do with it. I mean, in part, it was all it there. It was so hyped up. It was so popularized. But, but then when I when I really started to you know look get get into it, and when I as I found these, I found the thing was as I started to discover the Broadway musical mm. and the songs you don't hear in the movies, and it was like, mm. holy crap! I mean, they are singing my story, and I think the real reason I kind of hated it was because I related to her in a way I kind of was her and that and that and I guess that bothered me you know so but anyway but anyway I mean there but I mean I love it now as I as you know as I started you know to sort of make peace with that Mm -hmm. but you know that was that my connection with her and a little bit of Anna too yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and talk to us a little bit about, you know, in the, in the show, you talk about feeling like you had to hide who you were for other people to be comfortable. That just struck a chord with me, Katrina. Uh, I just, I like, I was like, oh my goodness, what must that have been like? Do you, do you still feel that way? Do you feel like you have to hide who you are to make those of us around you comfortable? You know, as I've grown up, you know, I've kind of realized that, you know, you know, I didn't really have to, you know, I do have support. There are people who either, you know, they don't really care. It's like, okay, whatever. But you know, growing up, man, it was difficult. It, I mean, that that's where I fit in with 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 Elsa, because what did she do? Yeah. You know, she, I mean, she did everything in her power to hide her own abilities, you know, because of trauma. You know, in my case, you know, I was bullied, yeah. you know, so and I was put into special ed. So I'm reminded every day in your childhood that there's something different. And therefore, you know, you, I mean, in a way you were treated second class. So, I mean, so I, from my, my life from that point on, I did everything I could to hide that, I, that I did have something different. And then, you know, finding out I was autistic was like, oh my gosh. I mean, right down to when I went to Boko, you know, my voice teacher would, would try to beg me. It's like, look, you need to let people know about this, but 
I wouldn't forever. So honestly, this is surreal right now. Yeah. But, well, I have to applaud you. I, I know that, you know, it does feel like, uh, like taking off your clothes by like being your total self and, and admitting to things that for a long time you kept really secret. But can I tell you, Katrina, you are such a lovely soul and you are clearly so talented. And when people get to hear you sing, it's just a gift. It's just a gift. And I'm so sorry that you went through what you went through when you were younger, but I hope that as time goes on, that, that you see that sometimes when people bully, it's because they're intimidated because, because when you're that talented, people don't know when you're young and if, and if they aren't talented, like you are, they felt less than you. And and that's not good either. Um, and they shouldn't be excused for bullying you, but you don't have to be anybody other than who you are. And we will love you. And we do love you because you're brilliant. Um, and you are uniquely gifted as a singer. So I, I love, there are so many insights in this show. Um, plus, which is just beautiful music and beautiful entertainment. So what's the name of the show and how can people access it? Katrina. The show is called Part of Your World because my my main start was the thing that, you know, opened up the floodgates was The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, that was what helped me start talking at five years old. So that's why that, that one is, that why it's called that. That's why it's extra important. Look at that beautiful picture of you. So it's called Part of Your World. And um, and we've got the clip there. And we're, unfortunately, you guys, we're, you're not going to get to hear Katrina sing because uh, we don't have the rights on this show to show you the music. Because what kinds of music are you singing on the, in this show, Katrina? It's literally, it is, li- hence the name, it's literally all Disney. And, okay, I, and you, it's, it's it's on YouTube. I have I have a channel called Katrina Aguilar Music, where you can find it on. Um, and I I'm, and I'm on. I have a Facebook page with that same title. Yes. So that's where you can find it and watch mm-hmm. it any any time if you like. <laughs> Look at how beautiful you look and you can see it in your face. Your face is just glowing there. So you guys can go and watch it. But we do have to say that, um, you know, there was cost involved in all of this. And at the very beginning of the show, you'll see a, a lovely little message that says, you know, they would love it if you would support Katrina in her journey. And if you love the music, you can make the suggested donation is $5 to her uh, Patreon account and uh, which is you know a very small it's going to cost you more to get a coffee a small coffee at uh starbucks so please uh check it out you can you can check it out on via her facebook page or the youtube page and watch the show is exactly 60 minutes um you guys uh sometimes if you can't do it for yourself buy it for your your kiddo uh, and plop them down in front of YouTube. Uh, and, and we should say, you know, you can watch it for free, but please uh, acknowledge the hard work that Katrina and others did um, for her to be able... Where was this that you were performing, Katrina? It was at, I think, 
Was it the Catalina Jazz Club? Catalina Jazz Club. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And you look stunning. Uh, And I know uh, you sing beautifully. So uh, absolutely incredible. One of the things that you say in the show, you identify yourself as being on the spectrum. But you know what else I really loved is that you um, say, I don't, I don't speak for everyone. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Why is that important to you, Katrina? Um, it's, it's probably the most crucial. Hence, I put that at the very top of my show. I mean, while I go up there and I tell my story, you know, we're all, we all have different experiences. We we're all, I mean, there's a reason it's called the spectrum. We're, we're all on different, different playing fields, you know? So it's not, I, I just didn't think it was fair. It would never have been fair to me to say, to be a, be a spokesperson, a monolith, you know, and that's what I wanted to get across, you know, I mean, I mean, I hope that my story can help someone on there that's having some, having some of those same struggles, but I think that's the first, I mean, and at the end of the day, I'm just one person on the spectrum, you know, so that's why it was crucial for me to say that. I appreciate that so much, Katrina, because I think it's one of the most misunderstood parts of the spectrum by both sides. Uh, you know, I, I watch people who, who don't, who supposedly don't know anybody who's on the spectrum and they, they, they're so rigid in their thinking. They meet one person on the spectrum and then they think everybody is like that. The teacher who, um, you know, one of her kids, she had a kiddo in her classroom who didn't like to be hugged, which, you know, happens. And, and that kiddo happened to be on the spectrum. And so she's in her mind, she thought that all people on the autism spectrum don't like to be hugged. Well, so now the next kid comes in her classroom on the spectrum and she hugs every other person in the classroom except him. And that little kiddo not only loved hugs, but needed it for the sensory regulation. And she wasn't giving him a hug. And it took half a year for them to figure out that she was because she had this preconceived notion I love what Dr. Shore says, Dr. Stephen Shore. He says, when you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Uh, I wish we could, I I wish we could convince the public of that. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, I also, because I think sometimes uh, there are individuals on the spectrum who say, you know, I need this. So I assume that everybody needs that. And that isn't always true either. So I appreciate you speaking for yourself. I do have to say that Clifford, I was saying, what is Clifford's nickname? Lawrence of Cabaret. I always get it wrong. Cabarabia. Lawrence of Cabarabia. Uh, that is hilarious, uh, Clifford. So uh, now you, so you, you had first done a show uh, with the Disney music, then you guys recorded it. And that's what's available on YouTube. But the show had evolved quite a bit from when you first did it to when you recorded it. Can you talk a little bit about what changed over time, Katrina? Well, you know, with the pandemic and with all that time we all spent by ourselves, I basically had nothing, well, besides work in my case, I had I had nothing but time to think. I had nothing but time to mess around on YouTube and find, and then wind up stumbling on, on a lot of that new stuff. So hence, you know, hence, you know, the, the, fro- those two frozen songs mm-hmm. that, and, 
you know, and there were, and then I also found that with my old show, there were things that no longer, that I felt with that no longer really served the purpose. And then there were ways I thought I, I, I could tell my story even more. I could be more direct yeah. with what I'm saying. I could, in my, so, and then there was something else. It also tied up to something else that I found that I really wanted to do. I mean, I wanted to create a villain's medley. There were so many amazing villain songs out there, but they don't, sometimes you can only use parts because they can't, they don't all work. But yeah. I kind of wanted to incorporate my story with, with like, with like the villains, you know? So that was something else that I wanted to do that, that Richard and I really worked, my accompanist and I really mm -hmm. worked hard to do, but I mean, it was like incorporating better ways to tell my story, more stuff that I really wanted to do. Yeah. And then, and then, and then like, and it, and then it, it just evolved into something else. And then there were, I tell other parts of my story too, that I didn't even mention yeah. during the first run of my show too, you know, so. Well, you've grown, <coughs> excuse me, you've grown as an artist, you've grown as a young woman. So I got to ask you, uh, this is, and you don't have to answer, but uh, who's your favorite villain, villainess? Villain. Oh man. That's, I would have to say it's it's kind of a tie between Ursula and Maleficent. Ah, okay. I unfortunately uh, I the latter doesn't have a song, but well, know. there you go. Uh, there you go. Well, that that's interesting, and we'll all find out why later on this week. Uh, Grandma D wants to know. First of all, Grandma D, you did miss the segment on desensitization. It was at the very top of the show, so you'll have to go back and watch the recording. Uh, we covered it. We I talked about it longer than I should have. Uh, but Grandma D wants to know if you ever experienced apraxia of speech as a child or as as a teen. No, I just, I mean, I just, all I know is that, I mean, I grew, I, from, from zero to five, I was, I was nonverbal altogether. And then even as I started talking, the only thing I talked about was I was on a complete mental playing field. Mom would ask me what I wanted for lunch and I'd talk about the Little Mermaid. Right. But right. Beyond that, you know, as far as speech goes, you know, I, I'm an apraxia never, and that never, that never came up in my. So. And and for those of you who don't know, apraxia, you know, we have we have individuals who are on the spectrum that uh, have a communication disorder. We have uh, individuals who um, aren't uh, aren't don't yet have vocal speech, but then there is something called apraxia. Apraxia is when the words are in your head, but the muscles aren't working to get it out. Um, and it's those individuals, it's a, it's a tougher nut to crack. I got to say, but we've done a lot of shows about apraxia. So that wasn't your particular thing, but, but Katrina, when were you diagnosed? How old were you? I would, I would have, I would venture to, I was, Four. Four. Okay. Yeah. But is that because you, your parents, because you, you don't remember when you were four, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-mm. How old were you when you first, those words were first said to you and you understood that they applied to you? Oddly enough, you know, I, I, I was later, like when I was around 17, I was diagnosed with Asperger's. Autism, the word autism was not brought up around me. I, there were other things going on, you know, academically, but you know, autism as of itself was not brought up until I was later diagnosed with Asperger's. Got it. In my late teens. And then it was like, okay, that's also common. You're, which also means you were probably diagnosed as it with autism at an earlier age. But now, but now that the word Asperger's has become outdated, now, now, well, guess what's kind of, it's back now. But yeah. that's kind of where that stands. Yeah. And I, you know, it's so funny because words matter so much and they're how we identify ourselves and stuff. And so I hope that soon we're going to, they're going to sort it out because I, I know for, for many people, they're like, wait a second, how can I have Asperger's? And then you decide that that, that, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and you've folded it into something else and I'm supposed to re-identify myself. It's a, it's a crazy time we live in, but you're you and you are uniquely you Katrina and you're fabulous. Everything about you is fabulous. And I just want you to hear that from all of us. And you're so talented. So people can be watching part of your world. Um, and you can go catch Katrina on her YouTube page or on her Facebook page to do that. Please donate to her. Uh, suggested donation is $5. I guarantee you, like, Katrina can make more things happen with that $5 than you can today. So give that $5 to Katrina. And then Katrina, what, we only have a couple of minutes left here. What are you working on now? Right now, you know, we're, um, I have some, right now we're, we're trying, we're, we're getting this, this show on, we're trying to get this show further down the road. You know, we want to perform this more times, you know, hopefully be able to travel, travel with it, hopefully. But one thing you know, as for, you know, nothing set in stone, mind you, but what's been, what I'm sort of writing in my mind is, is a, is a Halloween show. Oh, well, that'll be fun. And I can't wait to hear what you think, uh, cause you're getting to go see this wonderful, exciting performance of Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, rare opportunity, Billie Eilish and Danny Elfman. Good heavens. And Weird Al Yankovic and Ken Sage. Wow, that's incredible. Is that at the Hollywood Bowl? Where is that being done? Uh, I it's not the Hollywood Bowl, but I'd have I'd have to look up the tickets. Well, <laughs> I'm excited that you're going to that. That's like primo I don't think anybody can get tickets to that anymore. So we'll we'll wait to hear how much you you love that. I you know, I'm old enough that I can remember listening to Danny Elfman when he was part of I believe it was Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. <laughs> You know, so I, when I was uh, young, we were listening to Danny Elfman, but it was an entirely different thing. Uh, so um, yeah, Boingo Boingo. Um, in any case, uh, love him, loved him then, love him still now. Katrina, love you. You're amazing. And your show is amazing. Part, can we put up the part of your world uh, thing again, uh, Traven? 
So what you want to do is, uh, what is your what is your YouTube page? Is it just Katrina Aguilar? What's the name of your Katrina YouTube? Katrina Aguilar Music. Music. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and uh, wonderful. So you go Katrina Aguilar Music. Uh, then you will find it. And there are other videos there that you can watch Katrina sing as well. I'm disheartened that we couldn't have her sing on the show, but you Ladies know, and gentlemen. D- uh, Disney is very funny about uh, allowing uh, their songs to play on our show. So uh, love this picture. There's the show, you guys. So make sure that you tune into it. And, and I encourage you to have your kiddos watch it. Here's the thing. Katrina tells her story throughout the show. I promise you, you'll hear some good music done beautifully by this amazing young woman, but you'll hear a story that's filled with inspiration and insight. It's really a a lovely, it's an hour. It's an hour. And you know, you're always looking for role models for your kiddos. There is Katrina and she's a lovely role model uh, of someone who is following her passion, making it work, using her talents. Katrina, thank you so much for being with us today. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, It's straight up 11 o'clock, you guys. So I got to sign off. But tomorrow, uh, bye, Katrina. Tomorrow, I want to make sure that you know, we have this amazing show with Temple Grandin on Friday. I really, I'm going to say this. I think it's one of the best interviews that we've done with her. And we've done a lot of interviews with her. If you ever really just wanted to spend an hour sitting around talking with Temple Grandin, this is it. We're going to replay that special for you tomorrow. Uh, then on Wednesday, we've got Ask Dr. Doreen. She's going to be with us on Thursday. Bonnie Yates is going to start at the beginning and talk about everything you need to know for special education. It's a series that we're going to be doing, but it's starting on Thursday. And then on Friday, it's the big Halloween show. And I can tell you with all authority that who Nancy and I are going to be dressed at was talked about today during the show. So there we go. You will not want to miss this. I guarantee it'll be a hoot, if nothing else. So that's happening on the Friday. So uh, I hope that you guys will have a wonderful week this week. Get your Halloween plan. Make that plan and be ready to throw that plan out the window so that you can enjoy yourselves. We're going to be back tomorrow with that recorded version of Temple Grandin that was recorded on Friday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.